This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 5, Episode 29. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 29 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihatton. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Lynn. So today we're speaking once again with attorney Larry Altman. And uh, for our listeners, you may know Larry's become a regular on TL Talk Radio, specifically around legal issues. Um, we put all of Larry's past episodes in the show notes. So if you're interested in legal issues related to education, you can be sure to check them out. Um, and today we're focusing specifically on a recent publication from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, United States Secret Service, titled Enhancing School Safety Using a Threat Assessment Model, an Operational Guide for Preventing Targeted School Violence. And this guide provides actionable steps that schools can take to develop comprehensive targeted violence prevention plans uh, for conducting threat assessments in schools. And Larry has reviewed it, and we're going to hear some of his ideas and how it connects to us in education today, this morning on the podcast. So welcome back to TL Talk Radio, Larry. Thank you so much. It's always a privilege and an honor to speak to the two of you and to your audience. Well, Thank th- you for having me. I think you might be the most recurring guest on our show at this point. Top guest. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're actually excited about this topic because, you know, as you know, school safety is at the top of the list of concerns for school administrators, especially after the Parkland shooting of 2018. So after reviewing this document, give us a sense of why this is a valuable tool for schools and what we will find in it if we read it. Well, it's valuable because it's what I call a roadmap. Uh, What I was impressed by the Secret Service, uh, which I did not realize was a part of the Homeland Security, is that they provide schools an eight-step process that they suggest schools go about in putting together a plan that, uh, that they hope and that they believe will improve and enhance the ability of schools to uh, perhaps find a student that might be a potential, and that's a key word, a potential for violence. Um, and as I said, it was very impressively done. Uh, they took the time to explain each of the eight steps, which I believe my summary does, uh, formulating teams, and they discussed the concept of teams. And not just within the school, they recognized that uh, that this is a, a, a community issue. Uh, and that's why they suggest that schools come together with what they refer to as stakeholders, uh, not just the in-house people, but looking for people that have mental health backgrounds, uh, the people that have uh, uh, backgrounds in, in, in 
in professional areas that might enhance the ability of the school to put together a technique, if you will, a checklist, as they refer to it, uh, that might give them insight of what goes on for students. What I appreciated also is they said, they reminded schools that number one, that there is no, what they call, if you get these nine things, the child will be violent. No, that mm -hmm. is not the case. Uh, they recognize that every child is individual. And then they go further, which was very impressive to me. They said, our concern not only is with students who we think might be a danger, uh, but they said, we also, this gives us the opportunity to recognize students that may have just, not just, but have issues mental health issues that need addressing and that they encourage schools to get in now before it goes further to help these young people out so that we don't have the ultimate disaster of Parkland, Santa Fe or Sandy Hook. So talk to us a little bit about your review. You know, what do you see as the most value, valuable components from your perspective as a lawyer um, through that threat assessment process? As a lawyer, what, what we're taught when we're talking about areas of discrimination, bullying, or any of these things is that we, they don't want schools to, we don't want schools to ignore an issue and turn their back upon it. Uh, doing what I, I think I may have even said this in my summary, doing nothing is never an answer. So what I, from a legal point of view, I've always been known to be uh, uh, proactive, not reactive. This is a proactive document. It will not be easy to start mm -hmm. out with. So from a lawyering point of view, what I would say from the legal side, let's just take a look at that. Taking steps such as these and incorporating that into your policies, protocols, and procedures, something they also talk about, which I love hearing about, <laughs> um, it, it defends, the, it protects the school from somebody accusing them of being recklessly indifferent or grossly negligent. Uh, not that that's the goal. The ultimate goal is school safety. But I refer to that as the byproduct. So from a lawyer, when I see schools, if a school reads this document, implements it, and God forbid something goes wrong, and it will. I don't want anybody, I tell my grad students, you can do all the planning in the world, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have a disaster. But at least from a legal point of view, you can step back and say, you know, we did everything we could. And so from a lawyering point of view, that's what makes it great. So now I know, um, <laughs> as a skilled lawyer, you, you examine this document with a microscope, and I bet there are some areas that you thought might be missing, um, especially from your... Um, special education background. Can you share some of those ideas? Yes, I can. And you are correct. Uh, I, I, this, is, this is one of three documents I've now reviewed from the federal government. And what I'm somewhat astonished by is that they are failing to recognize that there exists right now two federal laws that if schools knew how to implement properly, especially in the area of mental health, would assist them in meeting the goals of this document and be part of the eight steps. So let's talk about what they are. One of them is the Individual Disability Education Act uh, that, that has a category called emotional disturbance. Uh, the other one is Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. And, and that is, is, is an act that's an, an anti-discrimination law that says a substantial limitation of a major life activity can qualify as a disability under this law. And then when you go and dig deeper into what it what their suggestions are is they remind you that students that have significant mental health issues will qualify as a Section 504 disability. Once you find that to be the case, and then there's the third component tying the two together, it's what they call child find. 
And what the federal laws say under IDA, Individual Disability Education Act, and Section 504, that if a school has reasonable, not, reasonable belief that a child might have a disability, they have an obligation to assess that child for if they qualify. Not discussing that is it is, doesn't remind schools that you already have something in your toolbox mm -hmm. that if you learn to use properly, mm -hmm. you might you would be on your way to meeting the eight steps of the Secret Service document. Mm -hmm. And when you go back, and I think I published an article in, in January of this year, and I may have shared with you what that investigation of the, of, the, of the Parkland shooting indicated was how the schools dropped the ball in IDEA. And in the article I published, I said they did. They didn't talk about child fine. And I said, but they also didn't look at 504. You got the schools already have something there that if they properly integrate, you can use for a federal agency. And I'm not so upset with Secret Service. They're not the education department to not enhance the discussion and remind schools you already have those two statutes there. Mm -hmm. uh, makes me wonder, does that mean we don't we can ignore those? After all, the government didn't talk about them. And I'm concerned by that. So my paper says you've got to look at the two you already have. Mm -hmm. So some really good advice uh, for those listeners who want to access this document and dig into it and start to use some of these ideas. Realize that that's a bit of a blind spot um, that Larry sees in the in the work from the Secret Service. And I guess that's the challenge of of working in silos, right? You know, one department creating this document and and maybe not collaborating with other departments. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what would be the value added if if you did do that? Well, Lynn, they tried to do that. In fact, when you read the opening statements of mm -hmm. the Secret Service document, they talk about that this was the first step that they were going to share this with the Department of Education. Six months later, or maybe five months later, uh, a combination paper from the, from the Department of Education, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, and one other department that I'm blanking out right now, put together and published a longer document about school safety. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, has multiple chapters. I've reviewed it hmm. and it's a disappointment because number one, except for one sentence in this entire first five chapters, it's multiple chapters. They only put one sentence in talking about the IDEA don't discuss 504. And then they spend a chapter talking about the secret service, but not about the 2018 paper hmm. about a publication they put out in 2010 with, Oh, by the way, it, last four months ago, here are the eight points. Why do you bother to talk about a paper that existed before Sandy Hook, Parkland, mm -hmm. and Santa Fe when your Secret Service, part of Homeland Security, that is part of this final paper, has told you in extensive terms what you should be doing now. I don't want to know about what they told me in 2010. I want to know now. Mm -hmm. So there's still, even by the DOE, who should know better, still doesn't bother to talk except for one sentence in the first five chapters of it, which is called prevent about IDEA, one sentence, not a word about 504. Hmm. That is even that. So I've reviewed that as well, but I tell people don't take your, if you can only read one, read the circuit service. Right. Don't read that one. <laughs> yeah. So maybe before we move on to um, talking about other topics or questions, Final thoughts on this article, big takeaway for school leaders who are listening um, in terms of this particular review that you've created. I think this is a must read. 
And I think that schools should take the time to bring these teams together. Uh, and, and, and really, and what I love about it, again, another thing, that's a throwaway, that's a bad word. What I like about it is they tell you it's not a one-size-fits-all model. The feds aren't telling you you got to do this or you're in violation of law. Mm-hmm. I appreciate and respect that. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a document that the, that the communities, the school communities should review. It is broad-based enough of a roadmap that you can individualize for your school with the understanding that the first model you draft, it may not work the way you want it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So th- it, to me, that is that that's what I tell people. And if you really want to get to use, because they talk about policies and procedures or protocols, and I think I've talked to you about this before, I'm a huge advocate of what we call the Baldridge, Malcolm Baldridge training model. It's what I teach my grad students. If you were to take that model and put it over here with the Secret Service paper and apply it faithfully, you, you're going to go a long way of, I think, the data will show you've really enhanced your school safety, which, by the way, will improve educational outcomes. If children feel safe mm-hmm. in their school environment, and I think you guys who are edu- in that field right there probably can confirm this. The studies say make the school children feel safer that when they come to school, educational outcomes improve. And isn't that what we want anyway? Mm-hmm. So definitely um- – the push to take some time to review that, to bring some stakeholders together, to have some conversation. Um, you know, school districts, schools have safety committees and teams of people already in place. And you encourage us to bring community members in also and engage in some conversation, reflect on the work that's already been done and think about what's what's next and what's possible. Correct. And I would add two other people that they didn't talk about to any time you're talking to school schools that they didn't include in the stakeholders list that I think are critical. Who are, who are in a business model, who are the customers of the schools? Mm-hmm. It's the children and their parents. Yep. I would include, if I was doing the eight steps and bringing my team together to formulate the policies, I would have representatives from the parents and from my students. I would want to listen to my children. Mm-hmm. What can we do, children, to make you feel safer here? And parents, what do you think we should be doing to enhance school safety. I would bring them as part of my formulating team because they are the two most important stakeholders we have. They don't mention that in the document. And if I were to add something else onto that, I would put those two groups into my team because they are critical components. The value of our learner's voice and their families. Yes. Yes. We've often talked about that, that we've missed opportunities by not including our learners in conversations as we develop policies, procedures, and practices as as you They're share. the two most important, as I said, the children, that's who we're there for. Mm-hmm. And so I, that they don't talk about that. And as I step back and I, and I have helped schools in Missouri with the department of education, formulate a model bullying policy. When the team first together came together, uh, yes, people on this, on the group were quote parents, but they weren't there in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And we did this. We later then brought in parent groups and we brought in students just to ask them if we could put together a, a policy to make sure nobody got hurt bullying, what would you like it to be? What would you like to have in it? We learned so much from that. Mm-hmm. And that makes the buy-in easier also, by the mm-hmm. way, because then every group can say, well, they did talk to us. Right. Wow, there's my idea right there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Let's all do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's why it's called team. <laughs> Good point. So as school leaders, there's so much for us to stay on top of when it becomes um, – when it comes to legal issues, what do you see coming on the radar in the near future that leaders can be and should be proactive in learning uh, more about? 
I think we're going to see continuing with with the push in the as I understand the House uh, may have today pushed enhanced gun laws. I think we're going to see the enhancement of school safety not go away in the in the short term. Uh, that's number one. I think right now the other thing that, are, that schools are wrestling with is the sexual harassment area because of the significant change proposed that is now going to be in effect very shortly. Uh, the revision of the Title IX sector. I've already run into that. I'm, I've already done some Title IX investigations and under the older and under the temporary acts. I'm already getting questions, what do we do now? Mm. And the debate on that is not going to end. Um, and so I think what, what and I'm and I've just again today, I read in USA Today how this college doesn't know what to do now. That school doesn't know what to do now. And, and so I think that the where schools are going to have to and I don't have a good answer for this mm. is I think sexual harassment is going to be along with gun safety, the number one issue schools are going to face and that be prepared is that if in two years there's another shift in the Paul and the party in the white house, we will have another radical change in title nine. And that's sad. And, and I'm, I have advocated that we, we need to come together and collaborate. We can't have, sexual harassment policies shift just because parties shift mm -hmm. and whether we'll have success in that, I don't know. Mm. So I see that as the big, what do we do now? Well, once again, another informative episode with our friend Larry Altman, attorney around this topic of school safety and school security and the secret service paper that you reviewed. So we appreciate you being here before you leave though. Is there anything on your horizon that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, number one is I have been asked to help by some groups in Missouri. They are trying to add uh, some additional mediation topics uh, for under the Individual Disability Education Act uh, so that parents don't have to hire an attorney to go through what we call the due process quagmire. And so I'm working with that group. In addition, and I think I shared this with you earlier, uh, the congresswoman from my district today, I just got a phone call. I've been sharing with her the materials I've shared with you, and uh, she's honored me by next week uh, asking me to meet with her in person because she would like to take things back to Congress to discuss with her colleagues about school safety and preventing discrimination in the school place. So that's what I'll be doing now. Sounds like some great opportunities to share your learning and engage others in the conversations um, to create our safe, our safe learning environments so that our, our learners can do their best every day with us. I agree. Thanks so much for joining us today, Larry. Um, to learn more about Larry's work, you'll see in the show notes, we've listed some of the episodes that he's participated in, as well as um, the threat assessment model and Larry's review, the summation of the United States Secret Service Guide for Preventing School Violence. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, what action steps are you likely to take as a result of today's conversation? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 29. And that's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Bye-bye. Bye.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.